Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you. Those of you that work so hard for your money, you want your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but right now. So you live that life that you love with those you love. But most importantly, it's not just about getting rich, it's about living a rich life because as you're blessed financially, you have greater capacity to bless the lives of others and create that ripple effect. Guys, thank you so much for allowing me to create this ripple effect through you. Thank you for tuning in and binging and doing all the cool stuff you guys do. As a reminder, if you haven't done so already, go to moneyripples.com. Check out that passive income calculator. If you want to find out how much passive income you can create in the next 12 months, go check that out today. Hey, are you looking for another great podcast to listen to? One about investing and not only just investing, but learning about cool deals like investing in apartments that does not require you to have to be an accredited investor or have a million dollars. Hey, if you want to check that out, go check out my friend Lane Kawaoka's site, simplepassivecashflow.com. He's got a great podcast also called Simple Passive Cashflow that you can check out on YouTube, iTunes, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you want some great education and to learn about great ways to invest in other types of deals without, again, needing a ton of money, check it out, simplepassivecashflow.com or look up Simple Passive Cashflow on YouTube or your podcast app. Check it out. So guys, today I have a special guest that uh, I've really enjoyed being able to get to know better and I know you will too. You know, I actually was just on her show recently. If you've ever heard, if you ever want to check it out, it's uh, the most wonderful show ever. I think I got that right. Is that right, Dwan? <laughs> Uh, the most wonderful real estate. Real estate show ever. That's right. The most wonderful real estate podcast ever. There we go. Now I got it right. (laughs) But definitely have here, you know, Dwan Bent Twyford here. Amazing woman, uh, been in real estate for decades. I mean, just like us where we've had the experience doing that kind of thing. We've been around the block, but just amazed at the wisdom and really just love her personality and everything that I knew I had to share her with you guys too. So Dwan, welcome to our show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show today, Chris. I know. So tell me more or tell us more. I mean, I already know. I got a sneak peek a little bit, right? I got to get to know you a little bit off the air and even on the air. But, uh, you know, tell us more about your story and who you are. Well, I actually started real estate investing, believe it or not, over 30 years ago, which sometimes I'm just like, wow, I don't even know how 30, where did 30 years even go? That Uh I was uh, married. I had a baby. I was 30. And my husband and I had a pretty sudden breakup. And so now I'm 30 years old. I have an eight-month-old baby. I have no money, no job, no car, no career. I just kind of waited tables and stuff like that. I had to figure out some sort of way to make money and raise my daughter because the one thing I did not want to do is I didn't want to raise her in daycare. I actually waited until I was older to have kids so I could, like, you know, be the stay-at-home mom, the room mom, the Girl Scout mom, the brownie mom, all the stuff like that. So I had to put on my big girl pants and I had to figure something out. And as it turned out, God led me to real estate investing. That's where God's good, right? <laughs> yes. Now, at the very moment when my husband left, I thought this is the worst thing that's ever happened in my entire life. 
And now I'm just like, wow, I cannot even believe 30 years have gone by. And I've done over 2,000 deals personally. My husband yeah. and I own 20 buildings in a little town where they're doing like a downtown rejuvenation thing. So we bought, in the last five years, we bought 20 commercial buildings in this little town. So we're sort of like fixing up a whole town. Yeah. And I mean, I could never even imagine in my life I would ever, ever do this or have this much money or this much success or it just, it's just, yeah, God just puts you on the path sometimes and you have no idea what's going to happen at the other end. That's true. I mean, if we could all learn from that, that one lesson alone, that, you know, whatever misfortune we're going through, which, hey, it sucks. It's not easy. It but, does. But often that's usually what, you know, that those doors all close on us for a reason, because it opens up that new path, that door that yeah. we may never have considered in the first place. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, listen, everybody in their life has some sort of come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. And that was mine. My husband's gone. I got a kid. I have no money, no car, no nothing, no education. I was like, wow. Like, really, wow. What, you know, this is like 1990. Like, what am I going to do? And I don't know. It's just I met a few people, and they, this is what they were doing. And I thought, oh, it's like fun. And they're fixing up houses, and this looks like fun, and I could do that. And next thing you know, boom, yeah. 30 years later. Give us kind of a, your take, you know, because a lot of people, I'm sure you've heard this time and time again, so many people will say things like, oh, what if real estate crashes? What if it goes down? What if this? What if that? Because I remember the last recession, it was horrible. So many people are gun shy with real estate, even after many, many years of it being awesome. Yeah. But you've been through multiple recessions, just like I have, and you've even uh-huh. experienced some more as a single mom, even. And that was actually right before a recession hit, too. With, it the was. I started like in, I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't even smart enough back then to like pay attention to things like that. So I kind of started like when we were in sort of a recession, but I didn't even know. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. <laughs> well, we didn't have, you know, Facebook and social media and the way the media works today where you would hear all this stuff, right? It, was, yeah. it wasn't the same. And so based on your experience, like, well, how do you feel about real estate? Like, how's it worked for you? Honestly, I feel like real estate investing is one of those things like literally, Chris, every mm-hmm. single person can do it. There's no person that's, I always tell people, like, listen, there's someone that's too black or too white or too young or too old or too tall or too short. There's like uh-huh. no person that can't invest in real estate. And you don't even have to have like tons of education to start. But with everything, like you said, with everything available today on social media, just everything that's just available, like right on our phones, it's crazy to not have some education. But I started off with no knowledge of any of it. I actually, (laughs) the first house, the the people I met were rehabbing and they're like, oh, we buy houses, we fix them up, we sell them. And in my naive mind, I thought that meant decorating. So I truly, from the bottom of my soul, I thought I was buying a house and I was going to decorate it and then I was going to sell it and make money. I had no idea that rehabbing and decorating (laughs) were not the same thing. So I feel like if someone can start like that and still become successful, I don't think anybody else has any excuses. (laughs) You're like, come on, guys, you're just being whiners now. I, honestly, it was back in the, that day, like mauve was still the color. So I put in like some mauve carpet and I knew how to paint. So I painted the house, I painted the outside of the house. And honestly, I painted it like what I thought was mauve, but it ended up being like Barbie doll pink. And, and I decorated it. And I thought, man, this house, like the kitchen's terrible. It needs so much work. And I actually went to Home Depot and took mm-hmm. those classes. And I take a class and go back and work on the house. I rehab that whole house by myself. And I look back on that and it's like, I had no knowledge. I had no skill. I literally just felt like this is what I should be doing. And I made 22,000 bucks on my first deal 
And, you know, 1991, that, I mean, that's a lot of money still back then. That was the most amount of money I'd ever seen. I didn't even know anyone that had that kind of money. I was like, wow, I'm like totally rich. I can't believe it. And I thought, I'm going to do it again. And then I did it again and again and again. And I'm making like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on each of these deals. Oh my God. I found like some secret, you know? <laughs> Way more than you make as a waitress, right? Oh gosh. I got fired from Denny's. <laughs> I used to work Denny's on third shift, 10 at night till six in the morning. I got uh-huh. fired at like 3.45 one day. And the, the girl that worked there, she's like, all you do is tell other people how to do their job better. But, <laughs> but I can see. So see, I needed to be an entrepreneur then. I just didn't know it. Yeah. You wanted to run the Denny's. You didn't want to be the one actually working in it. I don't like people telling me what to do. And, and it's not even I don't like to follow orders. But I don't know. And I really do have an ability and I still have it where I can look at someone's business like up here and look and I can see the things that need to be fixed or worked on. And I know in our own lives, we don't see the things that are right in front of us sometimes. But I really do have a good ability to that. And every place I worked, I was always telling the bosses, if you would just do this or this or this, your company would run better. Mm -hmm. People would be like, you're the waitress. Like, you're telling me how I should run it. I'm like, well, if you just do what I'm telling you to do, you'd be better. And so Mm -hmm. apparently... That's seen as being insubordinate. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're bossing around the boss, right? You're, or even though you're not really bossing around, you're just giving them suggestions. Like, if we fix this, this will be better. But I actually got fired from quite a few jobs in my 20s for always telling the boss what they need to be doing better. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was an entrepreneur. I just didn't know. Yeah. And once I started so, working for myself, it's like, well, there you go. I've never been fired since. Yeah. Wait, was real estate really your first venture into entrepreneurship then? Really, it was. Yeah, I had in my 20s, I always, I mean, I did like sales jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, things where you work on commission. Like, so I guess that gets you like a little bit of taste of you can kind of earn what you make. You know, you can work for what you want to make. But to like go in real estate investing just like that, it's like, yeah, because I, there was no boss. There was nobody but me. I had to figure out the money and the deals and I had to figure it all out by myself. Yeah. But I liked it and I liked the business. But what I really, really liked is I was buying houses. I was knocking on doors back then and I would talk to people that were in foreclosure. And I noticed there were just a lot of women where the husbands and the wife had split up and the woman's living there and she's got the kids. I was like, I'm in the same situation. My husband took off. I've got the kid. I lost my house and my car. So I felt like I just really had a heart for these people because I like understood. I really understood their pain. And next thing you know, I was just doing deals and deals and deals. And then I started wholesaling. And the next thing you know, I'm doing like 50 deals every single year. And I was just always working with people. And even today, I still always like to work with people that are in foreclosure or in distress. So I guess that's where my heart's at because that's kind of how I started myself. Yeah. So I just really have a heart for people. And I feel like I feel their pain. Even all these years later, you know, we bought some buildings I was telling you recently, but all of them came from people that were in distress. They were like couples, they owned a building, the husband passed away, the wife didn't want it. She's older, she wants to retire. And they're just like, we don't know who to trust. And I'm like, I'll take care of you. And so all these years later, I still always just want to help everybody. Yeah. I'm sure the listeners get tired of me saying this all the time, because I know the big mantra that changed everything for me was understanding that eternal principle that dollars follow value, right? Yeah. That that is always about how you go about serving people and solving problems for them and adding value in a way that money is just a natural byproduct. Yep. People before profits. Like my whole business, yeah. like what's your mission statement of your business? Because mm-hmm. you know, people write these mission statements that are this long. I'm like, okay, you ready to write this down? It's people before profits. That's like, the whole how thing. do you spell that? <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's the whole thing. I used to have this big old long mission statement. I'm like, who reads those? 
It's all about people and it's this view, but people before the money, then the money comes. But you're like a landlord oh, in a sense, right? You're just trying to screw people over by making a buck off based on their desperate and dire situation. Yeah. You know, when you hear people say that kind of stuff, what's your response? Well, I usually just say, well, do you own or do you rent? Well, I've rented in the past. Okay. And did you need a place to rent? I did. Okay. And what if that landlord wasn't there? Where would you have lived? Like, yeah. where would you live? And I know a lot of people are not a big fan of this. And I am a really big fan of the Section 8 program. If someone uses Section 8, most people don't really know what it's actually meant. They just think, oh, it's a bunch of people like, you know, mooching off the government. Uh-huh. But the program is actually designed, it's mostly women, multiple kids, and it's designed to pay the rent and the bills. And the woman gets to go to college. And then when she gets a degree, she gets a job. And the government takes out like, you know, say 50 bucks a week out of her check and they match the money. When they have enough money, they're guaranteed to get an FHA loan. So it's designed to help someone that can't do it, go through college, did a degree, get a job and buy a house and work off the system. And 90% of people just move off the system because, you know, that's just how people are. But I'm a really big proponent and all the women that have rented for me, I always make sure they're in the college program and they're doing the program. So I'm a huge Section 8 fan. Well, really what you're teaching, well, you're not teaching them, but you're encouraging them. You're incentivizing them to say, I want you to lift yourself out of poverty. I want you to be able to have ownership and to have, you know, your own life. Because, you know, when my husband took off, I mean, I'm 30, but you know, my family's from Ohio. And the very first thing is my dad's like, oh, come back. You can live in your old bedroom. You don't have to pay rent. Come home. And I'm thinking... Okay, I live in Florida. So do I want to like go live in my old high school bedroom with my dad? Or do I want to like jump in the ocean and pray that a shark eats me? <laughs> when you had kids too, right? Yeah. And like being eaten by a shark seemed like a better option. I was like, oh my God, I just don't want to tuck my tail and go home. I just have to figure something out where I'm not going to keep getting fired from jobs. And so when I meet people and they want to rent from me, I do qualify to make sure that they're, you know, because there's lifers that, you know, take advantage of the welfare system and teach their kids and their grandkids. And it's like a lifestyle. Then there's people that are really trying to lift themselves up and better themselves. So like, Hey, listen, God blessed me with a great business. And if I can bless you and help give you a place to raise your kids and get you into college and get out of the system you're in, I'm all for doing that. But you know what happens? They live in your house for like a decade. Then they, when they're ready to buy a house, they want to buy your house. Yeah. It's like, no, it's my favorite rental. And oh, but I've lived here. I went to college. I've been raising my kids. I want to buy this house. So I've sold a bunch of my rentals to the people that were renting from me. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That home just continues, doesn't it? Yeah. The first one that wanted to do that, I was like, oh my God, Jackie, no, I love this house. Because it was one of my rentals I had for a long time. She's like, I yeah. know this one. I went to college. I did this. I did that. Did that, did that, did that. And I have the money and I'm guaranteed and I want to buy your house. And I was like, oh. And I was like, Man. all right. And then like the next one and the next one, I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern now. Ah, I know. So I sell them to the people. They, hey, if they go through all that and they can afford to buy a house, the government will do FHA, whatever it appraises for is what they'll, they'll help them with the loan. They're guaranteed. They're guaranteed. I'm like, all right. I find it fascinating that it's almost like the story of your life gets reflected in the lives of the people that you've either rented to or sold your homes to, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, I get you. I've been there. I've had to pull myself up by my bootstraps and be able to take control of my life. And you're doing the same. And now we have all these commercial buildings that we're working to kind of flip this town around. And I told my husband, I said, listen, nobody is going to want to buy one of our buildings. We're going to say the answer is no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are 
commercial. I don't care if you have a business there. I'm not selling my buildings. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, tell us about where you're at today, like, and how describe kind of your life and what, how you do real estate investing today versus when you started out. Well, you know, I mean, I've always after like the first few years, I started off rehabbing. And then I discovered wholesaling. And I was like, wow, you can make like so much more money without all that physical work. So then I wholesaled for a while. And then I got a rear group. And then uh, I wrote a book and it was a bestseller. And then I was asked to write a second book and it was a bestseller. And then I had an infomercial and I was on TV. And it's like just all these things. And then I always was buying rentals. So I mostly just like wholesaled and had rentals for a while. And yeah. then my husband and I, he's from Clinton, Iowa. And we go back to reunions in my hometown, his hometown. I'm like, you know, we should buy something here. This down, it's like an old downtown on the river that time forgot. And then we started finding out like how much money is available in these opportunity zones and all these rebeautification. These little towns have like millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. grants for everything. I was like, yeah, Yeah. we should just do this. So we bought a building and then, you know, we're the kind of go big or go home people. And then we buy a second building, third building, fourth building, and now 20 buildings. It's like, okay, we have to stop and fix up everything that we have. So my career has just, it's really kind of just been a progression of, of me just getting into bigger things mm-hmm. as I go. I don't know. I just, I always find myself getting into like the, the next thing, but still at my core, like we still wholesale like 30 houses last year. Mm-hmm. I still love my section eight tenants. Like I, I keep all, it's not, I'm keeping all my tenants. Like we bought some land and we put a couple spec houses on there and did that. Mm-hmm. So I've done some in the last 10 years, I've done some things I had not done before. And I think a lot of that is for, I have the money, first of all, but also I have so many people like you and people I've met and people I've been exposed to that I can call and ask people for help. Whereas when I started, there were no RIA groups. There was no internet. You had to like drive to the courthouse and write down addresses and use a map book to get to houses. I uh-huh. didn't have anyone that could teach me other things besides like the basic, you know, flipping, wholesaling, you know, rehabbing. And so over the years, I've done a lot more. But honestly, because I have access to people and there's things online, there's people like you and there's people like the call and say, hey, I want to do this. And what do I need mm-hmm. to do? We do bigger things all the time, but I always, with everybody, I always learn or pay for a training or educate myself. I don't just go wing it like I did in the beginning. Yeah. I love that. If you really think about it, it's easier today to succeed than it ever has been. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's kind Even of cool. Even to start my podcast, I thought, well, I had been being a guest. People, I had probably been on over a hundred shows. Mm-hmm. And for some reason in my mind, maybe it's my age, I was like, I don't guess. So it's like a show on the computer, like a radio show. I couldn't wrap my mind. Then after I was on it for a while, I, thought, I really like this podcast stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a podcast. Well, even yeah. for that, I took a class. I did a 30-day, 30 lessons, 30 days, 30 days of homework. I took a whole class. I took several classes. I went and bought all the right stuff. And I didn't just wing it. I took the education. Because I know that you learn from either mistakes or mentors. Mm-hmm. and mistakes can bankrupt you and a mentor may cost some money, but it, it's the purpose way to cut your learning curve. That's right. And so I tell people, listen, mistakes are mentors. I learned all by mistakes in the beginning. Mentors are cheaper. <laughs> so <laughs> anything I want to learn, I find a person and I take a class or whatever I need to do to learn it because I already know that the school of hard knocks was a long learning curve. I had like a decade long mm-hmm. learning curve, long. That's right. You think education is expensive. Try ignorance. <laughs> it's even more. Seriously. Like I started in 90. So even like by 2000, people mm-hmm. were starting to have 
computers at home, but still nothing was like it is now. It just no. wasn't. And I mean, I remember buying houses and I didn't have any mentor. I remember buying houses that had like fire damage and water damage and termite damage and all these different things that I had no idea what it was. So yeah. I buy the house, I go to rehab and I find out it's like one house was like decimated by termites, but it cost me like 30 extra thousand dollars. I had to borrow money. I was like, I couldn't even do the deal because there were so many things I didn't know. Yeah. So my learning curve was long. That's right. But look That's at you today. I like to teach. I like to help people like, listen, if you just work with me, I can cut your learning curve. You won't make any bonehead mistakes. Just mm-hmm. ask me a question and I'll help you. <laughs> Well, along those lines, I mean, we've got people here that have a variety of experiences. I mean, some have done real estate and other types of alternative investments for, but there's a lot of people here that are just learning, trying to understand it and even see if it's for them. What would be your advice to them? Well, I would say they should go to dwonderful.com and opt in and get some free ebooks. <laughs> That's first. And yeah. I honestly, Chris, I always tell people, whether you learn from me or they learn from you or they learn from somebody else, if you want to get involved in anything in real estate, Get on some webinars, you know, read some books, find some people that do what you do and just make sure your moral compass sort of aligns with that person. And if you feel like that person runs a good ethical business and you feel good about what they do, they're going to teach you to do what they do. So like all my students, I'm like, listen, if I ever hear about you going around somebody or going around an investor or screwing a homeowner or anything, I will bring you up on charges. Like none of that business is going to go on. Because, you know, there's always those scumball people. Yeah. That get on the, you know, on the internet, on the paper, like, oh, this one's arrested for a scamming, you know, this amount of money. You're like, mm-hmm. it's so easy to make money the right way in real estate. Like, you don't need to do anything. You don't need that. Stuff. Totally agree. I absolutely agree. 100%. So. <laughs> so. Well, awesome. Well, we'll be sure to definitely put your link in our blog post that we have on the on the show with the show notes and everything else. But Tuan, thank you so much for being so generous, for really uh, giving us of your experience and your wisdom and even just your inspiration too. It's just yeah. really awesome to see that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And oh, you guys, this guy is so great. You just got to follow and listen and do what he tells you to do. Well, again, thank you so much again today, Dwan, and, and everybody else. I mean, that's the thing is that you could try to do this yourself. You could try to do this forever. Uh, you could try to do it the long, hard way like many of us did. But the great thing is, is that you guys have the control. You have better resources at your disposal than ever, greater education and greater ability. The question is, what are you going to do with that education? Are you going to take action with it? Or are you just going to let time and your life slip on by guys make it a wonderful and prosperous week we'll see you later visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.